Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. Yes, indeed, everybody. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on this Thursday, August 31st. I'm Carol Masser, live at the U.S. Open in Flushing, Queens. Coming up, though, got to bring you this story. It's the most read on the Bloomberg today. It has to do with the Kushner family. Of course, Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of President Trump. We'll get the details in just a moment. Let's get back to your top business stories and a look at today's trading uh, session. Here is Charlie Pellet. And we begin with energy. Thank you, Carol Masser. Now the numbers of the close of floor trading on the NYMEX brought to you by... USCF. Invest in what's real. Visit uscfinvestments.com. That's uscfinvestments.com. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 2.55%, rallying $1.18 a barrel. WTI at 47.13. Gasoline climbing for an eighth day as Harvey continues to pound the energy-rich Gulf of Mexico coast. Harvey has shuttered about 23% of American refining capacity since its first landfall as a Category 4 hurricane last Friday. Dennis Gartman is editor of The Gartman Letter. He was interviewed on Bloomberg Radio this morning. This situation is far worse than anybody might have dreamed it was going to be a mere uh, several days ago. When the hurricane first hit, I thought it would be a inconsequential. But the fact that it's got as, as, as strong as it did, the, the fact that it stayed where it stayed, the fact that it has now distended the, the pipeline situation, it's going to be several weeks before we have all of the refineries back online, if indeed we get them back in several weeks. And again, gasoline surging 13.5%. 10-year yield 2.13%. Gold up 8 tenths of 1%. Again, crude oil advancing 2.6%. S&P up 13, up 5 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 56, up 9 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 46, up 2 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you so much. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets, and this is Bloomberg. Well, someone who's been looking for cash is the Kushner family. Of course, Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of President Trump. By the way, everybody, this is the most read story on the Bloomberg today. Let's get more from David Kuchineski. He's legal and regulation reporter at Bloomberg News, back in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Um, David, fascinating story. Tell us what you guys looked into specifically, because you really poured over a lot of information. Yeah, well, the um, center of the Kushner's real estate empire, the most the trophy project is 66 Fifth Avenue. It's a tower that they bought in 2007 at the height of the market. Um, since uh, Jared Kushner has gone to the White House, there has been, um, and after, Kush- after President Trump's victory in November, there were a few stories that came out about the company, um, Jared, negotiating with Angbang, the Chinese uh, conglomerate, and with um, a Qatari billionaire trying to raise money for that building. So we took a deeper look and wanted to see where else have they tried to raise money, who else, and what potential conflicts might be there. And that brings me to my next question. Where else have they looked for money, and, and what kind of conflicts have uh, you guys uncovered? Well, they looked all over. Um, you know, a few of the new... Uh, things that we found was that they went to uh, the richest man in France, um, Bernard Arnault of LVMH. Um, they went to the South Korean um, uh, 
sovereign wealth fund, which is controlled by the government. And um, you know, this happened before Jared took office, um, and he joined the administration in January. And at that point, he uh, divested himself of interest in the company. But it, there was a lot of concern that because his family is so entwined in it, it could raise potential conflicts. And we found that he also um, they also reached out to a Saudi billionaire, Fawaz Al Hokar. Um, who has um, done shopping malls and development all over the place. And none of them decided to invest in 666, but um, there's a lot of scrutiny about, you know, where the Christians have gone to raise money and, and whether um, Jared has, has uh, overstepped his bounds. And to be fair... These meetings, right, were before Jared Kushner was in the White House. I mean, the timing of this is also important to be, uh, to point out. Yes, correct. It, they, it, you know, it's interesting that as of, uh, they had refinanced the building in 2012 because it was on the, the brink of, uh, going under. By 2014, they realized that that wasn't, uh, still was not going to be enough to make it work because it's kind of an outdated building. Mm-hmm. So they started in 2014 to really um, look all over the world for money. They couldn't really get much interest because uh, the plans that they have is to knock down the existing building, building and replace it with this, like, wildly expensive new 80-story tower. Um, so they were having a hard time getting meetings set up or getting calls returned until the edge, end of 2015. In 2016, as um, as Donald Trump kind of rose and Jared Kushner was on his coattails, all of a sudden they started to have a lot of negotiations, and Jared uh, was involved in a lot of them. In fact, some of them after the election, but before he took office. So, um, you know, I think there's still concerns about conflicts because the the company is so closely um, aligned with his family and his in his own personal uh holdings. David, don't they have a partner though um from the Vornado group? Don't they have um Steve Roth? Isn't he part of this also in this building? They do. Um Steve Roth and you know Vornado is one of the best capitalized yeah. real estate companies in New York. Um he actually stepped in in 2011 and 2012 when the um 666 was on the cusp of of going down. He took part in the um refinancing. He now owns a lot of the stores on the on the retail level, and then owns half of the office tower above it, um, and is um, a major partner. And um, you know, if the building isn't to make it, Steve Roth is kind of in the first place to get to get it. Um, but Steve Roth, as we found in our reporting, that he is not involved with trying to raise the outside money. There's a, a quote that from a meeting that we had where Steve Roth looked at the building and looked at. Um, at, you know, the fact that it's outdated and there's only so much rent you can get in that part of Midtown. And he said it would be worth more if it was just dirt. Um, so he's kind of stood back and let the Kushners take the lead in trying to raise money. Um, you know, they need they need to raise money to either refinance uh, or to re- replace it. Um, if they don't, um, the mortgage now is due in early 2019. And at that point, you know, Steve Roth is there to, to perhaps they can bring other partners in. But Steve Roth is there first in line to kind of um, <clears throat> help determine the, the fate of the building if the Kushners can't bring in a lot of outside money. What is the fate of the building? Is it potentially that uh, they go bankrupt on this one? And we've got about... 50 seconds here. Uh, it's an open question. Um, Laurent Morali, who is the president of Kushner Companies, we interviewed him, and he's very confident. He says that, uh, you know, there is interest in the mega project. Um, but he said even if that doesn't come together, there are other contingencies perhaps to use it as an office. Uh, other real estate people say that they think uh, in order to make it usable as an office building, it would still need a, you know, a, a huge uh, makeover because it's kind of an outdated building. So that would be – that, that again, would um, – 
require a lot of cash or a lot of borrowing, and there's questions as to whether the Kushners can do that themselves without bringing in another equity. It's fascinating, right? And we'll have to wait. And you said, when is the debt due? Uh, February 2019. All right. So they have a little bit of wiggle room, correct? Correct. All right. But we'll have to see where it, where it leads us and in terms of some of those relationships. Um, a fascinating story, David. Thanks so much for bringing it to us. Uh, David Kochaneski, he is our legal and regulation reporter at Bloomberg News, joining us from our Bloomberg 1130 studio. As I mentioned, it is our most read story in the past one hour and our, also our most read story in our pa- in the past eight hours. You listen to Bloomberg Markets right here on Bloomberg Radio. Once again, to check on your latest world of national news headlines, let's get to Nathan Hager in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Nathan. Carol, that uh, Houston area chemical plant that saw explosions overnight from Tropical Storm Harvey is warning there could be more of the same. Richard Renard with Arkema SA says one of nine refrigerated containers of organic peroxide failed when the power went out. The other eight, he says, could degrade and produce more blasts. But Bob Royal with the Harris County, Texas Fire Marshal's office is saying, don't panic. These are small container ruptures that may have a sound, excuse me, may have a sound of a pop or something of that nature. This is not a massive explosion. President Trump has promised billions to help Texas and Louisiana recover from Tropical Storm Harvey. That could run up against another promise from the president to deliver historic tax cuts to the middle class. Republican leaders are tentatively looking at uh, addressing the debt ceiling, addressing uh, spending bills to keep the government open, and rolling Harvey relief into that same package. it's going to be a tough vote for deficit hawks in the party. It's Bloomberg Money and Poli- uh, Influence Editor John Voskul. He was with us earlier on Bloomberg's Politics, Policy, and Power. We may be learning more about that meeting last year between President Trump's son, Donald Jr., and a Russian lawyer at Trump Tower. Two be- uh, people briefed on the evidence tell NBC. Then-campaign chairman Paul Manafort took notes during the meeting with a smartphone. They reportedly contained the words donations and RNC in close proximity. One of those people describes the notes as cryptic and says they've been turned over to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees as well as Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. This is Bloomberg.